The Digital Salon is a curation of listening experiences produced by the alumni and affiliated members of the Urban Humanities Initiative at UCLA. Even as urban space reinvents the enclosure, season two seeks out collectives situated in the city. If our first season asked how the pandemic is a portal, in our second we asked how, within such a time, can we gather? And what do we share? In this podcast that we call Collective, we tune into the knowledge that communal work transmits in polyvocal frequencies and interlocking scales. We're your hosts. I'm Gus Wendell. And I'm Jacqueline Barrios. And for our sixth episode, UHI alumni, graduate of UCLA Architecture and Urban Design MARC 1 program, also founder and leader of the Earth Girl Helen Brown Center for Planetary Intelligence Band, Heidi Alexander, relays the communal knowledge disseminated by the synchronized, vocalized, embodied practice of aerobics. Oh, that's, that's the noise you want to hear. Hi, ponies. Hi. Ponies, finding a gentle march. We're going to warm up here. Find that rhythm in your body, feeling the floor beneath those feet. Noticing your breath. Let's deepen that breath and add some arms up. Exhale down. Extending through those fingertips, taking up all this space around you. The teaching of athletics has never been about conveying a simple set of instructions or rules for any particular game, any particular activity or practice. Extra information sometimes is and sometimes isn't included in the nominal instructions of the game, the sport, the activity. There are always instructions that move beyond any physical activities practice as a purely physical activity. A kinetic activity. It's a movement activity, but it's also an activity of the mind. Practices in thought and in time are often very important. Practices in observation and concentration are often very important. Underlying any physical activity, there's always a mental function. Let's go back to step touch here. Same cycle, a little bit shorter. You could see it as the soul expressing itself through the body. Reach it up. Or you could say that it's electricity translated into kinetic energy through our body's nervous system. In earlier times, we were more familiar with movement languages. Whether that was from work or from dance or from ritual or from something else, we were exposed to many languages of movement. Of course, languages of movement are different for different groups of people. Physiology, environment, and other humans impact humans' ability to move in a vast number of ways. Nonetheless, there were movement languages. These are less common in our time. The basic building blocks of any complex system are generally not complicated. They are consistent. They are variable in predictable and unpredictable ways. 
They're modular. They are systematic. Let's go one more time they may not be locked rigidly in time, Last yet their time relationship to time is a fundamental aspect of them. Language is not dependent on uh, any single speaker, but on a community of speakers to develop a language. It's a code that has the capacity to evolve due to the fact that there are many speakers who have um, independence of thought and slightly different anatomy and who respond to each other. Like other complex um, coded systems, uh, movement languages have rules which can be uh, recombined. Um, they can be inverted. They can be scaled. They can happen at variable speeds. They can happen with variable emphasis. They can change in so many different ways, depending on anatomy, environment, responsiveness and uh, independence of thought to some degree. When I first came to Pony Sweat in 2018, I was um, both skeptical and desperate. Skeptical of the culture and the practice and I guess desperate to feel free. I really wanted to feel free in my body. And my band was doing a new record, a dance record, and I wanted to take my band on the road and dance and share with the audience a sense of freedom and deliberateness and dance. I really wanted to be able to dance in a carefree way, in a happy way. And I had found myself incapable of reaching that state throughout the entire course of my life. Rare that moments of exception. Same pattern. Here we go. Towards each other. Half turn. Towards each other. Step back. Well, that was all good and well in the physical world. But then the pandemic happened. We were staring into cameras on computer screens and telephones. What is the movement language of sit and stare? This is the story of how one movement language was shared throughout the pandemic, despite our inability to gather. It's a study of the pedagogy that made it possible and an ode to the friendships and conversations generated by a shared practice. Hi, ponies. Welcome. Welcome. So glad you're here. Ponies, um, if for those of you that might be feeling a little shy and don't want to introduce yourself right now in the chat, it's so fun. We see you, shy ponies. Hi. We see you, shy ponies, too. We see you. I see so many ponies here. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you all are here today. I really, I'm so looking forward to dancing with you. Um, ponies, and if, if you're feeling shy right now, but like in 20 minutes, you're like, oh, I'm ready to introduce myself. Yeah, it's so great. It's so great. We'll be so glad. We'll be so glad to receive your introduction in 20 minutes. And um, at Pony Sweat, we, each and every one of us really encourage each other and we encourage ourselves to notice what patterns of movement feed you and to notice if it doesn't feed you, you don't have to do it, right? Pony Sweat is a practice in recognizing choice and recognizing desire and following desire and making
making choices about what, how we want to move our bodies. Ponies, everybody here in the chat, and then the shy ponies too that didn't introduce themselves are encouraging you to do this practice that way. Everybody here is encouraging ourselves and therefore encouraging each other to hold so much tender space for these bodies. Welcome to Pony Sweat. My name is Amelia, my pronouns are she, her. I'm gonna demonstrate some patterns of movement. Um, these patterns of movement are meant to be suggestive and supportive if they do not feed you. Fuck them! Stay with that body, stay with the song. We're just gonna get our heart rates up and dance together. Here we go! <laughs> and then I was like, and then it's like, oh yeah, that's right, this is not a big deal. And maybe like, you know, the little mistakes I make are also not a big deal. Yeah, so um, my name is Emilia Richardson Valiente. I'm the creator and director of Pony Sweat Aerobics, which um, started in June of 2014 at a dance studio in Highland Park in so-called Los Angeles, on the land of the indigenous peoples, the Tongva and the Chumash peoples. It's unceded, unceded land, so-called Los Angeles. Um, being a kid, I was born in 1983, and I, so I, I, I grew up in the 80s, and um, there's a lot of imagery that I saw of aerobics. Um, my older sister really loved Richard Simmons, so Richard Simmons was like a, a present figure in my early childhood in my home. Um, my favorite aunt was an avid Jane, Jane Fonda aerobics um, participant. Um, you know, even though I really loved to dance as a kid, I was also um, not very comfortable in my body. And um, I was extremely, like, not athletic. Um, and I went to a really athletic um, school. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't, so I didn't really have, like, a, a ton of outlets to, like, for physical expression. Um, and then basically what happened was I got sober and cleaned some drugs and alcohol in my late 20s. And... Um, and when that happened, I was kind of reintroduced to dance aerobics by this by this woman named um, Marilyn, um, who was an aerobics teacher. And like I was in I was in recovery, and and like immediately, immediately felt a part of my body when I was doing dance aerobics. And I realized that um, when I did that, um, it really helped. It really helped me. It really helped me with like. Um, it really helped my mental health um, so, so, so much. And then um, I, you know, kind of toyed with the idea of, of teaching that practice because it meant so much to me. Um, but I didn't for several years. Um, and in those years, you know, I, I struggled with a lot of um, depression um, and, and um, really just, like, low self-esteem, um, and fear and then basically my friend encouraged me well basically just like knew that I had this this desire to teach dance aerobics and and really wanted to like encourage me to do it and so they rented a um a, a studio space in the neighborhood that we lived in and they called me up and they were like hey I rented time next month and um I want you to put together a dance aerobics routine and, and teach it to us and we'll be there. And that's it. That's all. And so that's, and that's how it happened. And I, I, so I, you know, I was accountable to like my friend and that time. And that's what I did. I like, I put together uh, an hour of some of my favorite songs that I love to dance to. I made up routines for them, even though I didn't really know how I, you know, 
I didn't really know how. And then I went and then I went and like pretended that I knew how to teach aerobics. <laughs> and, um, and then after that, it, it was Pony Sweat was born. And, um, you know, we met every we met every week. All of those elements are present, like in the practice, the practice presently. And um, and then, you know, the, the feeling of like community and the feeling of, um, you know, supporting each other, encouraging each other. Um, it's okay that you don't know how to do this. Let's just, let's just try. Like you said, it's okay that you don't know how to do this. Let's just show up and try. Man, what an incredible gesture of your friend. Just feeling, just that feeling of like, God, I wish somebody, like, I wish somebody would call and ask me to do them a favor. Totally. Somebody ask something of me, you know? Totally. Um, I don't think I had thought of it as like necessarily a kind gesture to like ask somebody to like support you in some way, but in some ways it it really Mm -hmm. can be. Yeah, I needed, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it for myself because I just, I had really like abandoned myself basically. Like I'd made some, I'd made, you know, some, some choices that like I thought were keeping me safe. And in fact, they were like self-abandoning, you know? And so I, 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 yeah, I really needed Noah to have me show up for them and show up for my friends. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. I needed to frame it like it was for them and like I have to show up for this thing because like I can't disappoint them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like it's like the essence of community is having accountability to each other, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. At some level, every school of fitness imbues a philosophy along with whatever physical practice or technique is being taught. It's important for people to realize that that just because the system says something is right, that it's right, maybe it's wrong. Balance good, karate good, everything good. Balance bad, better pack up your home. Understand? Honey, have I got the cure for you. This is my brand new aerobic workout tape, sweating to the oldies. And if you don't like having fun, <laughs> well, you best not. Like many movement activities, Pony Sweat conveys a set of sometimes abstract, sometimes direct instructions or suggestions for things beyond physical movement, a set of philosophies, if you will. This is a fiercely non-competitive dance aerobics practice. We're here to practice today anti-perfectionism. We're here to practice today being inside of these bodies. We're here to practice today finding a home in these bodies. We're here to practice today expressing more of ourselves through these bodies. At another level, Pony Sweat is a series of modes. It's a predictable or consistent sequence of different stages of activity in the dance cycle. This is your warm up. Ponies, we're gonna do a series of preparatory stretches here. Just letting the body know we're about to do aerobics. I think it knows. I think it knows. Ponies, we're gonna do 30 minutes of cardio dance. We're gonna do a series of squats and lunges. We're at an R&B break. If you wanna work on a mat today, giving yourselves a big hug. We practice together. 
Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you, ponies. Great job. At the same time, Pony Sweat is really just a series of incredibly basic instructions that are given verbally and simultaneously demonstrated for how to move one's body. <laughs> what to do next? You know, like step right, step left. You know, yeah, yeah. lift this arm, put that down, turn yeah. around, turn around, turn, you know, just like. <laughs> like really Drawing the back of that belly button towards the back of your spine. Add this reach across, take it back, add this row. Bringing those elbows back, squeezing those shoulder blades together. Let's go back to step touch here. Reach it up, reach across, take it back, step touch. Take it back, reach across, reach up, step touch. Last time, reach up, last It's also a set of suggestions for observation of context and environment of sensation and uh, mental framework. We're just checking in, we're just noticing. Notice where it feels tight. Checking in, checking in, checking in. Noticing, noticing, checking in. How gentle can we be? How patient can we be? Connecting with the strength in those legs. Connecting with the strength in that center. The support from the ground beneath you. Is their curiosity accessible? Double time. Playfulness. If you get tired, if you get discouraged, if you don't know what the fuck is going on. Reduce your range of motion. March in place, step touch, keep those feet moving, fuck the move, slow your breath. The teaching of this practice also involves nonlingual vocalizations intended to encourage and keep pace with time. Like Richard Simmons's infectious enthusiasm, which some find delightful and others find grating, these articulations serve to engage the dancer and propel them forward using nothing more than the strength of the instructor's enthusiasm. Say the dancer has, for whatever reason, lost track of the pace of the music or lost track of the body, distracted by their own internal monologue. These articulations can help to release the dancer from the sticky trap of thought and bring them back into the body. The instruction also puts great emphasis on attention to breath, that significant bridge between volitional cognition and the reptilian brain which has become so central to body-based trauma therapies as a mediator between the instinct for fight and flight and the desire to stay and remain present. Your feet, filling that body with breath, filling that body with breath. Sending breath and gentle encouragement. Sending breath, slow your breath. Please notice that breath. Notice that breath, give some breath. Noticing that breath, breathing. Very importantly, Pony Sweat is also a series of opportunities to observe one's own feelings and to make choices based on those feelings. If it feels good too, if you want to, it's accessible today. If you want to, when you're ready. If it feels good too, then however it's supportive, take your time. Wherever this body roll lives today, if you want to, if you choose to, if you want to, if you choose to, taking a break, whatever you want, however it expresses in your body.
The pedagogy also involves a series of claps and slaps, which function in a way similar to the non-lingual vocalizations. They snap the dancer out of their mind and engage them with the pace of the music, with the feeling of their body, and with the connection to time. When I reconnected to dance aerobics in my late 20s in my early recovery this person was showing me a language that like brought my body alive this person was like giving me a framework and a and a yeah and a movement language oh my god my body loves to do this movement this way <laughs> you know and like and that's going to be different for i mean that's going to be different for everybody but for those that like for those of us that it's dance aerobics like i i hope they connect with pony sweat I spoke with my bandmate Brad Calkins about Pony Sweat in 2020 when we were working on the episode for season one about technology. I'm not quite sure how we got there, but as is often the case, our conversation wandered. <laughs> you're reminding me of <laughs> uh, you're reminding me of of this thing from this talk by that uh, that Buddhist guy Joseph Goldstein. I've sent you his podcast at least once. He has these like these great little silly phrases. Um, that either he comes up with or been passed along to him. But one is that when he's talking about dukkha, dukkha is is often translated as suffering. That like they're like the it's not the four noble truths, but it's the the three realities of of experience that are impermanence, selflessness, and suffering. And um, and he was talking about dukkha, suffering, and that we do all of these things on a moment by moment basis habitually to escape the slightest bit of suffering uh and and it's and it's even like like taking a sip of water like not realizing that all day you're keeping yourself from dehydrating because mm -hmm. if you don't take a sip of water you'll die eventually <laughs> like and so you're you're constantly main you're constantly staving off suffering and we don't think about it like that but that's really what's happening and then he was talking about it in the, in, um, or it's like in the context of like simply sitting in a chair like if you're uncomfortable you just move a little bit and he and his little phrase was something like that that movement masks dukkha it's kind of it blew my mind a little bit like it, it just made me realize that in like it's just the most elementary way on a day-to-day -day basis we're just trying to trying to dodge any discomfort every moment and those are just like physical representations of it and then there's also like all of these like this whole like subconscious architecture like habit architecture that we all maintain and this is sort of my riffing on it but like but also also like kind of within the whole thing but like these things that we tell ourselves over and over again that like keep certain things at bay or prop other ideas up but it's just interesting we're really just trying to like provide the best cushion for this this human corpse for as long as it breathes. <laughs> That's all we're doing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How do you relate that to um, your meditation practice, which is, I imagine, pretty still? 
how do I relate it to that? How do you relate it to I like mean, your your physical experience of meditation? Well, I mean, my practice, all you're doing is observing your the sensations on your body, and um, and the more you do it, ideally, the less you have to move for comfort. So, like, you don't really think about you're not thinking about anything in the practice. You just sit and observe. You just you scan your body from head to toe and you scan the sensations and and as you could imagine, like the longer you sit, there become really dense centers of sensation, i.e. pain and discomfort. But you just you if you choose you can sit with them, like focus on that one part, or you can just pass it by, but you just you don't you don't do what you would normally do when you're not practicing meditation which is shift or scratch or or whatever you just observe it and you know that it's impermanent because Mm -hmm. in observing your sensations you're doing it ideally with your through a filter of not of awareness of impermanence that impermanence is is one of the fundamental characteristics of reality that everything is impermanent including your discomfort and your pain and your body and and what you're experiencing, the sensations is that your body is con- is a constant flow of change. Not even your body is permanent and your thoughts aren't permanent. And it's all coming from like from emptiness and going to emptiness. It's interesting because um, uh, Pony Sweat, the aerobics class is like very much about like, a, you know, a lot of movement. You know, like the, one of the reasons why I wanted to start dancing, I wanted to start doing dance aerobics was to, to like free myself physically from uh, maybe a stagnation that I was feeling or some sort of like weight that I wasn't, uh, you know, emotional weight or whatever that I wasn't processing. And, and so that was like, that seemed to me like a way that I could get my body free. And part of, you know, Amelia's rhetoric and what she talks about every day we do the practice is that, you know, really central to it is, is listening to your body, paying attention to your body and, and following your, you know, either following your body's desires or, you know, doing whatever the, doing basically whatever you want to do, but, but listening to your body and understanding, at least observing how your body Mm -hmm. feels and, and not doing the practice if it's not serving you. So it's Mm. like, you know, maybe it's the, it's in some ways it's the opposite, um, Oh yeah, Opposite meditation. Practice, but um, but yeah. still with that, still with that uh, element of listening that I think uh, can be so hard to do sometimes. I, I think that there's like something to be said for both avenues of it. Abandon in physical movement, but also, I mean, I think that like the meditation practice and or the yoga practice, I think there's something to be said for following something rigidly too. You you put yourself at the mercy of something else, something else that you trust. You put real faith into it and faith into yourself and trust and, and diligence and uh, a real like life or death seriousness to it and, and put aside your ego's defense mechanisms because your, your mind will just come up with all sorts of stupid reasons why you shouldn't do this thing that you know is good for you. It is interesting to me, like hearing you talk about it, because it's something that I could probably get a, a lot of use out of. Because I can be, I feel like I can be so incredibly uptight. Um, but uh, but I, I I 
am drawn to someone someone just telling me what to do. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like I just like I like the, I like the rigor of something really like simple, but really hard. Yeah. And and like just being able to do something that this like like so reduced but so difficult and but so like basic and like and the fact that something so reduced and basic can be so difficult I just like is uh is really enlightening if i knew then what i know now i would have told brad that pony sweat is exactly that it's a surrender to the rigidity of a system a methodology which is extremely simple and yet extremely difficult and in which you put your trust which is to listen to your body and to make choices in real time uh okay so if you could say um your name and uh how we know each other okay my name is Rosina Cervantes, and um, Heidi invited me to answer these uh, little questions. And uh, I met Heidi because uh, they put a house next to mine, and she has become a great neighbor of mine. So... Uh... I know from from talking to you over the years that you have taught aerobics for many years in your life. When did you uh, when did you start doing aerobics? I started doing aerobics. Well, at first I was very athletic when I was younger, uh, when I was a teenager, and so when uh, the aerobics come out to uh, for classes I went to uh, to a gym in Pasadena and got in the class and I fell in love with those classes you know and I kept doing it for a while they noticed that I have uh, that I have some uh, uh, that I like the aerobics and that I have some potential to to get certified for aerobics. So I went to receive the classes and I got certified. And this was back in 1982. Uh, And so I became certified and started teaching, you know, uh, the lower level of aerobic and went on and on and I was progressing and learning more techniques and classes and I ended up teaching um, advanced aerobics, which I really enjoy. How many years did you teach for? Okay, I teach until I was still working and I teach until the year 2000. 2004. When you said that you fell in love with with aerobics, what made you fall in love with it? Do you remember? Yes. I, what made me feel is because I had two children then and I was a single mother. And to go to the class at the gym, I had to get up at 4.30 in the morning, then came back home and get the children ready. They were going to two different schools. And then coming back home 
taking a shower and getting ready uh, to go to work. And I was a great manager in a big company uh, in downtown LA. And so I have to drive to LA and the traffic on the Pasadena freeway was always packed. And coming back late at home and had to prepare dinner for my kids and on and on and put them in bed. And I noticed that since I started taking aerobic classes at the gym, my energy was, you know, I was feeling good even though if I had a long day and I was feeling really, really energetic and a lot of energy, you know, and doing this, doing that, and keeping my house and gardening and driving my kids there and over there. And I said, this is good. So I fell in love with the results of taking aerobic classes. With Rosina being of a different generation, I was curious to know how she would relate to the ideas that Amelia and I discussed earlier in the episode about the embodied nature of the practice and how it intersects with mental health and wellness. Absolutely true, you know. I was leaving that out, that what happens to me is that I'm not even five foot tall. And I noticed that I lost weight I gained muscle and I felt, I felt more uh, feminine when I shopped for clothes, you know, clothes that in the beginning, you know, I, I didn't have the, uh, the enthusiasm of wear or buy clothes, that kind of shoes, and I had to be dressed up uh, business uh, business called at work and so that motivated that and I felt more kind of I don't I can find the words not secure but uh, um, but dress accordingly to my position a job and and feeling feminine you know was there a sense of community around your around your class yes it was yes it was it was a sense of community and and uh, i still i still well the gym has been closed for since the pandemic started, I have not gone to the gym, but I still go to the gym, and it's not the same gym that the one back in the '82. But um, oh, what I was going to say, I got disconnected. Oh, about um, community. Community, yes. That I, what I wanted to say is that I still know a couple of members that are still going to that gym. And back in in the years when I was there, sometimes we went up to dinner together, or we got went to the park. And yes, it was a sense of community around. 
how do you uh, understand the collective that is Pony Sweat at this point? Uh, to me, it's like feels very magical. It feels very like higher powered. I mean, it is a higher power. It's a bigger power. It's like, oh, the collective. Like, oh, look at this. Look at this thing that. Look at this community that we made. And um, I think it's interesting. There's a lot of studies about that I've read about. Um, you know, about um, moving synchronously. You know, and how that how that um, how that fosters connection between people and like um, and and a, and a kind of kind of unique intimacy. Um, it's difficult to like articulate. But I've I've witnessed that happening, and so I think I think that's something. I think also when like folks facilitate spaces where like um, the values are explicit, um, you know, it allows it allows us to like be a part of something bigger, like self care, so that I can like um, be accountable to the collective. You know, and people have come and gone for like years. You know, like people. Um, like there's a there's a real ebb and flow of people. Sometimes I say in class, like never before has this group of people danced to these songs before. Never before has this happened before because because it's important to name because I do feel like every time we come together, like it is a ritual, right? Like we are like going through a ritual. We are different at the end than we were at the beginning of this ritual, and like it is really special. Like why did this group of people come together at this evening, right? <laughs> like I think it's really I think it's really special. Um, but I've seen, like, I've just seen, um, you know, I've just, like, seen really extraordinary connection between humans um, doing this. And it's really, it's, it's the best part. It's the best part. After picking Pony Sweat apart, I still feel like I'm missing part of the critical pedagogy. I want to know more. I circle back with Amelia. You know, you have to kind of, in order to, in order to teach something, you have to, like, practice it a lot it's really vulnerable it's really vulnerable to like um be in front of people um to like teach them something and like not know the moves and just like not know like really surrender to like the feeling of not knowing and the feeling of like oh I don't remember what comes next and like oh I'm gonna they're gonna see that I don't have this in my body they're gonna see that like I struggle with this pattern they're gonna see that like you know they're gonna they're gonna see my vulnerabilities and the things that like I'm 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 practicing and working on and yeah and I've been doing this practice in that way for like it'll be seven years old in June and like it's still challenging still get really really nervous that feeling of like being on the edge of knowing something and like but having to teach it, I don't know, it's just the strangest feeling. It's like so, so exhilarating, but so, so terrifying to be like actively thinking in this way that's both remembering and learning in moment to moment. <laughs> What's going to happen next? You know? <laughs> it's not like learning philosophy. There is a philosophical element to, I don't know, you just need a teacher, I guess. Tune in next week for the next episode of the Digital Salon Podcast, The Collective. To discover the archive behind this episode, visit our website, digitalsalonpodcast.org.
So 